This is Science Moab, a show exploring the science happening in Southeast Utah and the Colorado Plateau. I'm Peggy Hodgkins, and today we are talking about a TV documentary series all about rocks with the writer of the series, Gautier Dubois. So I'm, I'm French and I'm 34 years old. I have two kids and a wife. I live in the countryside. And since I am 10 years old, I wanted to, to make documentary about wildlife because when I was young, you know, my parents were working very late in the evening. So I was all by myself during the evening. And I, I was watching cartoons and, and stupid series. When they figure out that I didn't do my, my homework and because I was watching cartoons, they shut down the TV except one channel, National Geographic. Because they say, as long as you watch TVs, you must watch something intelligent. So I, I kept watching National Geographic for hours, like months in my life, I guess. And I was fascinated by this guy, Brady Barr this crazy herpetologist that catches crocodiles and snakes all around the world. I was fascinated by, fascinated by this guy. And I wanted to be part of his crew, basically. I sent him like thousands of CVs, I guess. Never had a reply. Never. So my whole life was been dedicated to, to become a, a wildlife documentarist or science documentarist. So I studied history at the university because I was uh, sure that was the best way to, to learn how to write and to, and to speak about something. And then I, I went to England in order to, to learn English. I spent like two years and a half in England, or almost three years, and I, I passed a, a master's degree in, in journalism in order to know how to, to use a camera, basically, and how to tell stories for TV. And then I started in, uh, as a trainee in many, many... Uh, production company in Paris and one day I just got a job as a production assistant in a in a, one of the major co- companies in Paris for wildlife documentaries one cameraman broke his leg on the field <laughs> and uh, it, it was like two days I was in this company and I don't know why this morning I brought my passport on me in my in, in my wallet and the producer was very angry you know he said oh who, who can I who can I send right now in, on the field? And I raise my hand. I say, I'll go tomorrow if you want. They bought me a ticket and I went to my girlfriend in the evening. I said, tomorrow I go to, to Manaus in Brazil for one month and a half. <laughs> I was fulfilling my dream. You know, I was working for National Geographic, basically, because wow. it was a, a documentary for French Television and National Geographic. This series that you've done on rocks or stones... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What inspired your this series on on rocks? Basically, I wrote uh, I was working with Christophe Cousin, the director of this series, and I was working with him on a on another documentary that never became real because the TV channel said it was rubbish. And <laughs> disappointed on the phone and I was walking on the on the streets of Paris and um, in the street of Paris Every batiment, every building is very old. And we were discussing about anything and etc. And uh, I said something. It say, it say, oh, Christophe, you say, have you never thought about the fact that on the, on the top of the, of the door of buildings in Paris, we, 
we carve the date of the of the the year that the building was built. So, for instance, uh, 1988 or uh, 1875, something like this. And it's always carved on top of the door with the name of the architect. I say it's funny because all the, um, the quarries of Paris is down below the, the town. So if you think about it, when you see a date on a stone, on a limestone, on a limestone stone with, a, with one certain date, for instance, 1975, this rock, it's much older than the, 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 the building built in 1745. And because as you go down to the quarry, you, you, you take the layers one by one and you build the building up, up on the ground. So I say it's funny because we, we put a date on the, on the stone, but this stone is not related to the date. This date, it comes from millions of, of years, you know. I say it was funny, you know, to, to, to date one stone without taking care of his real age. And we start discussing about this and we said without limestone, there was no Paris possible, no architecture like this possible. And I come from a town called Limoges, which is full of granites. Every building is in granite. And we start discussing about this and we, we said there must be an influence of the rocks beneath your feet on the way you live. And so we said, for instance, if there was no limestone in the Bordeaux region, there could be no vineyard, so no wine of Bordeaux. If you look at the granites in the in the in the middle of France, there could not be like church like we've got like massive and robust church that travels through the ages. It cannot be possible. So we, we figure out that maybe the rocks got a very strong influence on people, on arts, on religions, on the animals, on the plants, on what you can grow on the on the on the soil, basically. And so Everything is about rocks because the, the rocks tells you what you 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 can make of this earth, you know, uh, and tells you what you will grow and what on what you will feed during the winter. It's, everything is about rocks, basically. And um, and then after he told me something, he said, "Do you realize that all the the major religions?" The Catholic, the, the Christian origins, the the Jews, the the, the Muslims, the, the man is made of clay. At one point, so we say, oh, maybe the clay, it's it's a it's a it's a good rock. And then then I say, and what about the sand? And say, yeah, the sandstone is may might be interesting too. And I say, oh, um, I just went back from Iceland, and I I I realized that the the church of Reykjavik looks like basalt. Because all the island of Iceland is made of basalts, and 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 like in two weeks we build the the whole five episodes. It was kind <laughs> of a it was kind of crazy, and each time we, we find something. The most interesting thing I I read that we filmed in this series might be the 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 clay stone from the Namib desert in Namibia. That's that's the winds grab the the sands of the Namib and bring it. To the Amazon rainforest, fertilize the Amazon rainforest. So everything is about rocks. So, and uh, I found it very interesting to work yeah. on this series. This documentary series entitled Top of the Rocks will be featured at the kickoff of this year's Festival of Science in Moab on Wednesday evening, September 13th. The sandstone episode was partially filmed here on the Colorado Plateau and features Moab scientist Tim Graham. When I contacted Tim, it was great, you know, 
this guy looking for crustacean deep inside of the deserts, I say, whoa, who's, who, who's this guy? You know, <laughs> I, I start speaking with him. It was kind of funny because we, we, we had a great discussion. And when I spoke to my, to my colleague, the director, he said, yeah, might, might be something. Tim sent me an email and said, he will, he will be, be in Paris in like one month, something like this, because he was going to Lebanon. And he said, I've got one, one day to kill in Paris. Would you like to, to, to make me see the, the, the whole town? And say, I saw this tall guy with this very long hair coming in front of me. And I say, whoa, that's, that's a character. <laughs> this guy, I spent one lovely day with this guy, with Tim, uh, walking on the streets of Paris, making discover the, the old town, the new, the new district. And at the end of the day, I must go back to my apartment to, to see my, my, little, my little boy. And uh, he say, wait a minute, I, I bring some of these guys with me, you know, and he, he, he pick up something in his pocket, a little box, put some water in the box. These guys, the, the, the mites starting to, to become live, you know, yeah. alive back in this small, in this small box of sandstone, basically. And I say, whoa, that's crazy, man. And <laughs> he say, if you come over to, to Mohab Deserts, I'll see, uh, I'll show you plenty of these guys. I, I called uh, my my colleague and we called directly the TV channel and say, oh, we, we got to change one sequence. We got to go to the Mohab Desert to see a guy that looks like tiny crustacean <laughs> inside of the <laughs> desert. <laughs> they say, what? Say, yeah, yeah, we've got a marine biologist that's uh, <laughs> very iconic that make small animals be uh, like Frankenstein become live again. Life. <laughs> Gauthier is talking about Tim Graham and his study of fairy shrimp and other critters that live in sandstone potholes all around the Moab area. So I remember what I wrote on this sequence. I say these creatures, it's like the definition of hope because they will never figure out where they live. They will never figure out what's the world around them. And they will never figure out when... The, the rain will come or not, and they don't even know what is the rain. Just they just fall asleep at one one moment, hoping that one day or another, in a year or two, the the water will come back and they will leave again. So yeah. it's it's crazy, you know. <laughs> That's the definition of hope to me. They are the definition of hope. You weren't here uh, filming, but you you basically scripted all the different series. Is that correct? Yeah. I've wrote single sequences. Yeah. Without being in the field, how do you, how do you do that? How do you get that inspiration? My job basically is to be very enthusiastic. And I have to call <laughs> thousands of people, no, not thousands, but hundreds of people to, to, to create a series like this. I, I, before we spoke, I, I take a look at the number of people I con I've contacted to make this series. And uh, it's been... 313 people that I have um, identified to, to make 45 uh, sequences. So I called every single person and uh, I spoke with them for 10 minutes, one minute, if I, if I think it was not interesting, or one hour and, or 10 hours if I think it was really interesting. And my, my job is to, to try to emphasize uh, what I feel that interesting in this person, in this, this job. And I have to tell a story to the TV channel because the TV channel is, a, is the client 
They want something, but they don't know what they want. When you were writing this series, you had five different stones that you were kind of looking at. I mean, were you drawn to one particular stone? I, I like the basalt. Everything is paradoxal in basalt. And I like the sandstone also. But in the in the basalt, what, what makes me feel very euphoric about the basalt, that's the definition of life. Because the basalt comes from directly from the middle of the earth, you know? Yes. It yeah. Come at the surface and it's it's pure. Pure rock, new rock, a new land to, to discover. Very soon, it's a very fertile rock. So as as soon as the rock comes out, the seeds can start to, to come with the birds and the life grow instantly on basalt when it's cold. And I like it very much. But on the other hand, it's a very stressful environment when you're on basalt. Like when you're in Iceland, there is basalt everywhere and mosses. And you cannot do anything with basalt. It's too hard to be to build houses. It's a cold or very hot rock. It's a, well, it's, you don't want to live on basalt. And nevertheless, inside of basalt, there was life. So in tiny alveoles of the basalt, I, I, I spoke with one, one woman, Beatrice Menez. She is a, is a great scientist. And she was working on the on basalt and one day she said to me, uh, we cannot say how many uh, species of animals we've got on hearse because in, in every tiny alveoles of basalt, there is one bacteria that don't look like the other bacteria on the, on, the, on the closest alveole. And so there is billions of different sort of life in one small rock of basalt that came out of the, the middle of the earth billions of years ago. And they just wait to... To, to puff to pops when you break the the, the basalt, so I like it. The I like the basalt, and I like also the sandstone because the sandstone is something quite unusual because it's a rock that becomes sand, and then re become a rock, so it's eternal, and then after it will re become sand, and maybe in one billion of years it will become rock again. Yeah, and I like. It. <laughs> Well, what else can you tell me about sandstone episode? What else did you find interesting about the sand? I like the first sequence. This guy that, that was, <laughs> he's an English guy. And uh, I call him and I say, yeah, we're doing a series about rocks, blah, blah, blah. And he say, oh my, my God, have you read my the article that speak about the sand castle? The sand castle I, I, I wrote. I say, yeah, that's because of this I, I, I'm calling you. And said, you know, guy, um, I'm working on sandstone since 20 years. And the only moment a journalist called me, it's when I, I wrote an article about how to make the the, the perfect sand castle. You, you, you might be the, the 99th guy that, that called me about this article. <laughs> and I say, yeah, maybe we can make something funny about this sand castle. And maybe you can build a sand castle that we'll see all over the world. So, <laughs> so, and this guy say, yeah, 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 why not, why not? So he said, but promise me you will make something intelligent about the sandstone. Don't just feel me making a sand castle. I say, yeah, promise. No worries, we'll make yeah. something intelligent and smart. <laughs> so he said, yeah, that's okay. And, uh, and I like also the, the story of this, uh, this stone in Scotland. 
the, the stone of destiny, the stone where the future kings must stand on this rock of sandstone rock to become crowned by the, the archbishop. And this rock is just a block of sandstone, but everything we put in it, you know, we put our beliefs in it, our religions in it, we, we put hopes, we put everything we've got in our guts to to make this block of sandstone something special. And this this rock has a very funny story through the through the centuries. It's been taken from the throne of Scotland, bringing it back to London. All the kings and queens of England were sitting on this stone, on the royal chair, uh, when they were crowned. And then some uh, anarchists from Scotland stole the, the stone and make a magnificent journey back to Scotland to bring the, the stone back to Scotland. And then after that has been diplo- diplomatic discussion, you know, where the stone must be and etc. It's That's crazy. Nobody yeah. cares of, a, of this block of sandstone if it wasn't like this one. <laughs> and another sequence that I like to film was this guy, Michael, uh-huh. on the coast of California. He was the, the world specialist of the purple sea urchin. I like this job title because, uh, you know, he's the world specialist of the yeah. purple sea urchin. And I find it very interesting. And the sea urchin got, got a real big influence on the sandstone on the coast of California because millions of years after millions of years, they sculpt the coast of California with, uh, because when they feed, they crush a little bit of sandstone and the, the coast of California near Palo Alto and all these uh, famous places has been made by searching. I like I like these stories. Oh, that's cool. So where all did you go around the world? Uh, not you, but the collective you. What areas did you go to to, to film this, this five-part series? We wanted to find places around the world that have the five rocks. So basalt, limestone, sandstone, granite, and claystone. Yeah. Uh, because uh, in terms of economy, it's easier for us to to make several sequences in one place to make, to build with the f- the five episodes. Yeah. So we sought a lot to, to figure out where could we go before uh, contacting people. We say the United States and the North America might be a, an obvious place to go, even though the North Northern America is very wide. It was obvious for us to 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 make. 10 or 12 or 15 sequences in America. Then after we thought of India because of the Deccan traps and the massive basalt eruption of, during the Cretaceous uh, that creates the, the big plateau in, in India. And we thought about the clay in, in the Sandarban. So we said in India, we might find some good stories also. Then after I said, we might some, make something about Africa. Because Africa, it's the, the, the red continent. It's, uh, you know, it's stone everywhere. So we thought about Namibia because there is a desert. There is some lush and green parts on the north northeast. Desert savanna in the north. So we said we might find something too in, in Namibia. And then after we said we cannot do a science documentary series without making sequences in the UK, because they will be very sad and angry about us <laughs> if we don't, we don't go to UK. We find that many stories in UK. It was great. And we forgot about France. And the TV channels called us and say, I have no sequences in France, man. I say, oh, yeah, that's right. We'll figure out something. 
That's very cool. It's been a very long journey, an incredible journey, this series. I'm very proud. The, the TV channel is very proud also. They say it was their masterpiece of the, of the 20, 23 years. Everything is about the rocks of your land that determine what you can produce on it. Everything is about rocks. Everything. What you hunt, what you eat, what you, what you see, what you drink. Everything. To learn more or listen to other Science Moab episodes, visit sciencemoab.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Our theme music is by Jeremy Spaulding, and the show is produced by Peggy Hodgkins, Christina Young, and KZMU. If you love Science Moab, let us know. Leave a rating on Spotify or a review on iTunes. And consider supporting Science Moab by donating to the podcast at sciencemoab.org. This programming is unique to Moab, Utah, and your support makes it possible.